But as I begin the message this morning, I think about the difficult days that this world has faced, and those days are called days of war. Regardless of one's persuasion, everyone owes a mighty debt of gratitude to the men and women that have served on, our, on, on the battlefield for our freedom. That's why I get so upset when people just can't stand and honor the flag because I see families that have sacrificed blood so that you and I could have the privilege of being a part of the family of God. The armed forces of America still serve today. They risk their lives for freedom so you and I can sit on the pew or enjoy being a part of the church. We have the liberty of fr- and freedom of religion today that was paid for by Jesus Christ. Not long ago, we were touched by the life of a football player named Pat Tillman, who walked away from a $3.9 million contract offered to him by the NFL. He walked away from this lucrative offer and a career because he felt he had an obligation to serve his country, to serve you and me. That choice cost him his life. Our service to God is one that will cost us, and it will cost us the desire to be a part of the family. It'll cost you a desire to be faithful because God's Word says, doesn't say, be, be, be uh, rich in honor and you'll find a part in the kingdom. No, it says be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. You want to inherit the kingdom of God? Be faithful. It's all built on faithfulness. It's not built on dollars and cents. It's built on the faithfulness of God. And God is faithful to his word this morning. So this morning, it's an honor to serve you. This shirt uh, speaks what my heart doesn't speak. And then there's something else that identifies uh, part of the gifting that God allows me to operate in in this church. If we have a stool in the men's or women's restroom that's plugged, I don't wear this. I, I have some plumbing clothes. But on the third Friday night of each month, there's a door of opportunity to serve. Not you. There's some of us that give our money that never eat a meal. But there's three to 450 to 500 people that will walk through these doors that never have been to church. And how we greet them will determine with many whether they choose our church or somebody else's church. Whether that smile is on our face. And, 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 and just this past Friday night, or last dinner night, a family that had been caught in the whirlwind of a, of, 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 of a nasty situation that went on, not with that family, but they, well, I hadn't seen them in over two years. They walked through the line when I made, I made eye contact with them. My smile waxed from ear to ear as I called them by name and said, it's so good to have you. After they had enjoyed the meal, they came back by and they said, we just want you to know we haven't been mad at you. We just got caught in an awkward position, and we love you. Guess what? Love is stronger than death. And here's what I said, just in case you don't get it. I said, I love you too. But what would your response have been? I'm not going to ask you to say that out loud, but I just want you to know uh, it's not because of the apron that I wear. It's not by the shirt that I wear. It's by the heart that Jesus gave me. And when I gave my heart to Jesus, he took the heart of stone. He took the judgmental heart, and he gave me a a helpmate. Don't tie it. Please don't tie it in a hard knot. Did she do all right, Rita? All right. 
Thank you. Thank you. Every one of us have been called to serve tables. Every one of us is gifted. And can I say this this morning? The church is fighting the fight of good faith. And the world is watching the church today. 17% of Americans went to church somewhere this morning. 17%. America rates number five or number seven on the greatest mission field there is in the world today. That's the reason God is counting on you to put on the love of Jesus Christ. To put on that. You see, what this does, it keeps ribs off of this. Uh, there's ribs there, but I mean, it keeps greasing it. The, the porky ribs off of this. And you know what? God gives us a whole armor of God to keep this from this. And the enemy is so slight trying to talk you out of the armor of God. And so we're going to be exposing him this morning on how he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I love servanthood. I love it because the door is open. There's so many opportunities in this church today that, that you can't shake a stick at the opportunities. We have bus drivers that leave jobs early. They check their buses over. They make sure that the dipstick at least touches the oil. They make sure that the tires are, are up. They run those routes. They're very faithful whether it's cold or hot. Our buses are not air-conditioned, but I long to see the day we can roll some buses in here that are air-conditioned. And all the bus driver says, come quickly, Jesus. Yeah. We have opportunities. People get here early to begin to cook the food. That's a door of an opportunity to be a servant. And you may say, you know, I'm just not in the kid business. Well, we were once kids, and we're just older kids now, so just let me put that rabbit back in the hole where it belongs. Yes. Oh, I'm not getting shouted down now. I'm getting a few stares, but we're still all kids. And Jesus says, except you be converted and be like a child, you'll have no part in my kingdom. Boy, I'm sure glad I'm still a kid at heart. I'm going to talk to you for a few moments this morning about the gifting of God. Everyone is gifted. Everybody has, has a gifting. And everybody has the kind of apparel that it takes to get the job done. And you can dress for the occasion, can't you? If you're going to the oil field, you know not to get a white shirt and a tie on. You know to put your oil field clothes on. I still have mine. And if you're going to the kitchen, you know to get an apron. Can I borrow this? Thank you. Now, a lot of people, you're not going to believe this, but 40 years ago when we came to be the pastor, the requirements of the pastor was that he would never get caught on Main Street without a suit and a tie on. I thought that would be my excuse out. I said, I'm not going to town with a tire suit on. I work in the oil field, and I, I, I just don't, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm just a real guy. And they said, well, we'll remove that in, in, in that case. But, you know, some people don't like me because of the way I dress. And the reason the enemy is so slight doing this is because man looks on the outward appearance. And so many people will draw their conclusion by the church, by the way we look. But God looks on the heart. And you know the reason that he looks on the heart is because he's in the heart business. And he wants to give you a heart, a, a heart of flesh. He wants to give you a forgiving heart. He wants to give you a heart that just works perfectly. 
so that when you meet people that don't like you, you can say, you know, that's her decision. But my decision is I'm going to overcome evil with good. Now, hate is an evil. That's, 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 you've got to discard the things of God to hate somebody. You've got to discard the things that God has given you. You've got to lay them aside to eat at the table of the enemy, which is hate, unforgiveness, malice, uh, pride. All of those things will keep us from operating in the gift that God has given us. We all have heroes. One of my heroes, even though I was raised in a strict home, by, in a strict denomination, and most of our rules could not be even backed up by the Bible. We couldn't go to picture shows. Tell me in the Bible where Jesus says, Thou shalt not go to picture shows. We could not, uh, we could not have a television. My hero was Sky King and Zorro. And I had to slip off to the Baptist Parsonage, which is just across the street from the Assembly of God Church, to watch it. And then my dad knew exactly what time those programs came on. And he'd come to the door and say, Orville! And I'd try to slip out the back door, but he knew exactly where I had gone in, and he knew exactly where I would come out. And I got a lashing from a belt every time I went to watch him, Sky King and Zorro. We couldn't go to dances. I would have given anything. I've just pictured myself, and I could never get Sherry to teach me how to dance. But, you know, David danced before the Lord. And, and you know, you can put that religious bonnet on all you want to. God is not looking on our outward appearance, even though I like my hair in place. I like... I like the underarm to be in place, and I like to be dressed like, like I, I, I'm acceptable in most places. But I can tell you one thing, God's not, God's not looking at what I got on. He's got, looking at what I got in. And we are all responsible for the gifting that we allow to operate in our life. So when we look at the heroes, there's heroes in our life, and then there's superheroes. And as I was saying, you know, probably I really didn't have any superheroes but one of my super, super heroes passed away this week, and it was Billy Graham. Eleven years ago, Springfield, the headquarters for the Assemblies of God, had gotten word that, of what was going on in this church with powerhouse kids, and they called for uh, an interview. And I said, you know, I just can't explain it. Is there any way you could drive from Springfield down and just be here on a Wednesday night and let it talk itself? And they said, there's no way, Pastor. They said, how old are you? And I said, I was, I was, I'm 66, I was 66 uh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And so they interviewed me. And when they got down to this question, they said, who is your hero, your superhero? And I said, without reservations, he's not a part of the Assemblies of God. He's not Pentecostal. He's just a man of God clothed with a lot, lot of Jesus. And I said, my superhero is Billy Graham. And I said, the reason why is he's led more people to Jesus than most all the rest of us put together. Listen to me. There's a real heaven and there's a real hell out there. And we don't say a lot about heaven and hell. But listen, at the close of our life, we're going one direction or the other. And, and I just want to tell our, our church family this morning, there's a lot of our family that's not ready to meet Jesus. And sometimes all the Jesus they see is the way we act and what we do. And they haven't heard the preaching of the gospel yet. They've never felt the arms of the church body love them yet. They're just watching how we're handling things six days out of seven. 
They even go to the ball games to watch the preacher sometimes, how he repents all the way home that he said boo three or four times. You know, Webster says today uh, that uh, uh, this, is, this is the definition uh, of what Webster has to say. He's, he's a superhero, and Webster's definition is a hero having extraordinary or superhuman powers, an exceptionally skillful and successful person. But listen, Webster and Wrong, they just fell short of the complete uh, definition of a superhero. It's not inaccurate, it's just incomplete. A superheroes are more than extraordinary, superpowered, exceptionally skilled people. That's not even half of what makes up the body of Christ. The superhero with a super, super touch on their life have utilized their abilities with the power of the Holy Spirit that moves them into the realm of the supernatural. And when they get their back again, the wall and the Red Sea in front of them, Philippians 4.13 is activated in the supernatural way. This says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. That takes the supernatural to activate the natural. I don't care what supernatural power is uh, to so- someone may claim they have, you know, like whether it's flying or whether it's fighting or webbing or running or anything else. If they're not using the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, all you see is the natural power that they have been trained to do. Having superpowers is one thing, but it takes action from God to make a super superhero out of you. If you're a follower of Jesus today, did you know that God has given the superpowers so that you can be a superhero? So that not only your, will your grandchildren know that you're somebody special, but the world will know that you're special. I'm not saying that he's made it possible for you to be famous and there will be movies made of your life. I'm not saying that those abilities will come your way. I'm saying if you're part of the church that's been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus, you've got the superhero blood flowing through your veins today, and it's time we rise to the cage and realize we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. It's not how loud I shout amen and glory, hallelujah. It's how I release the power of God's word. Hebrews 4.12 says God's word is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And can I say this? One of the greatest things the enemy tries to do to super, super heroes is get their eyes on other people. Listen, if you want to get depressed, start looking at people. This is the reason the psalmist David says, I will lift my eyes to the hills from whence cometh our help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Listen to me closely today. Listen to me closely today. We're not, we're in this, we're a part of God's church because we're not perfect. There's not a perfect person looking my way today that's perfect. You're not here. I'm not here. It's a place where hurting people get together to help one another. It's where imperfect people get together to say, I don't, I'm not the answer, but Jesus Christ is the answer, and he'll make your way straight, and he'll forgive you your sins, and he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Listen to me. If you're looking for the perfect church, we'll have the benediction right now, and you can leave. It's not here, and it won't be there, and it wasn't where you came from. 
Until we all get to heaven, we'll never see the perfection of the church. But today Jesus says, well done, good and faithful. Yeah, hero, you've been faithful. You've been faithful. You've been faithful. Listen, when you're a doorkeeper, and that's what God has blessed you with the gift of being a doorkeeper, be the best one you can, and you'll hear him say faithful. If he's blessed with, you know, I, I love the plumbing business. I, I love to weld. I love to fly an airplane. I love to preach. I love to teach. I, love, I don't like to counsel. I, I hate counseling. I need counseling most of, most of the time. Don't say amen real loud, huh? I'm getting to the point here. We all need help. We all need help, and we're all gifted. And if your marriage is held together uh, almost 60 years, then you're gifted. You can say, hang in there, baby. <laughs> it may get tough, but you can make it. Look what I had to work with. You didn't go that far, did you? She said, I've thought about it. There are different kinds of gifts, but let me say this. There's only one spirit. You're either going to operate under the power of the Holy Spirit or you're going to operate under the power of the demonic spirit. There's two tables. There's two tables where we feed from. Doubt, fear, and unbelief, and pride, and all of that junk. The enemy feeds people on that, good people. But I'm telling you, when you eat the table of the Lord, you, you, God engulfs you with a supernatural power. It enables you to forgive those that hurt you. It gives you the ability to not only forget, but it gives you the ability to forget. It allows you to love the unlovable. It allows you to live a life of correction. It allows you to have the strength to say, I blew it. Would you please forgive me? I've asked that, that question many times to this congregation. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes every one of them. By the same token, the enemy distributes his. Five different kinds of services, but the same Lord. There's, there are different kinds of working, but all in them and in everyone, the same God works in all of them. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The common good. Notice this. The part I want to zoom in on this morning is the last part of verse 6. And to everyone, it is the same God that's working. Same God. The same God. God gives each one of us, as his followers, at least one, sometimes more than one spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is a Holy Spirit-empowered ability that's given to all of us to serve one another. Amen. You want to just get, get discouraged at home and just think about yourself for a week. I'm telling you, it's been a tough week at the White House. I, I, I couldn't get, I, I didn't get my vehicle out. I didn't want to put you in danger for two days. The supernatural superpower, if you'll just allow the Lord to activate it, will give you use of a, suspe a specific context to help you in a specific way in the family of God. These gifts aren't ex exhaustible. Some of the possible gifts could be exhortation, giving, and leadership, mercy, service, teaching, administration, discernment, faith, helps, knowledge, and wisdom. There are really two important things to remember about spiritual gifts. God is the one who picked yours. He did. Isn't that awesome? We'd already start singing. We'll give him all the glory. The passage tells us that God is the one who empowers us. Isn't that awesome? 
If you don't have the power to forgive somebody who's wronged you today, could I say it's time to go to the filling station like your pastor has to do quite often, sometimes more than, more than once a week, sometimes six or seven times a week? But God empowers us with wisdom to know exactly his will for our life. He said, forgive, and you'll be forgiven. And let me ask you this morning, as we talk about the gifts that God has offered, which gift has he gifted you? Because we're all gifted. Maybe it's in a gifting, a gift of ministry, of giving. Maybe it's in the gift of praying. Maybe you have time on your hands and you pray one, two, three, four hours a day in prayer, just praying for the leadership of the church, praying for those that are sick, praying for our community, praying for America and for our president and the leadership that he's offering today. But God has picked your gift, whether you like it or not. I'll be honest with you. When he said yours is a ministry, that wasn't what I wanted to hear because my bucket had had a hole knocked in it. But you know what? There comes a time when Jesus made his way to the cross. And do you know that he went by a place called a Garden of Gethsemane? You remember that? What did he do when he got there? Watch Fox News? He prayed, didn't he? What did he pray? How did he pray? Father, if it be possible, let this bitter cup pass from me. Nevertheless, why do we hang up there? Because we're all human. We need the supernatural power to say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Listen, this is awesome teaching this morning because we all need to know how to say, nevertheless. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And thank God that he's given me the key to my gift. And he's going to enable me to use that gift in the way that will bring glory to his house. God's pictures. The message tells us that God is the one who empowers us. God in his wisdom knew exactly what gift we needed and the gifts were best suited for you. Just think, God blessed you and trusted you with his specific ability to make a difference in your community and in your world. How are we doing? James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above. Don't argue with me. I'm telling you the truth. Every gift that you have is from above. As I'm looking, I'm looking across the congregation, many of you are gifted. It's powerful. It's awesome to think that God trusted us to gift us, to make a difference in the, in the world. But it first began here. He had to make a difference here before he could make a difference there. And he's wanting to send you, get you ready so he can send you there and there and there. And just before we give up sometimes, just before the dawning, of a new day many times is when the answer comes. A true story. I can say this this morning. It doesn't belong to your family. It belongs to ours. Our son, who's been very sick for many years, he and I don't talk about the problem anymore because I hate what drinking does to families. And it's taken its toll on our family. And only a few months ago did God begin to deal with me about strife. And the Bible says strife opens every door of our life for the enemy to invade and steal, kill, and destroy. 
And every time our son walked into our home intoxicated, anger. Sometimes I could keep it under, under cover, and, and sometimes I, I tried as hard as I could. This week, this week, I had came to the point, I, I don't mind telling you, I could pray for your kids and believe God for a miracle for them. I could pray for your spouse and be, believe a miracle for them. But I'll just tell you, your pastor had pretty well thrown in the towel. And the doctor had told him not long ago, if you don't quit, you're, you're going to die shortly. He sat down with his mom the other day, and he said, Mom, and, and the boy can, he's memorized more, cha- more he, can, he can quote the Bible by Scripture, whether he's intoxicated or not. He knows the word. I mean, it, it can come out of him. He, can, he sat here on this pew more than one Sunday, and, and when I would tell you where to, I was going, he would start quoting that scripture because the last four years he spent in the penitentiary, he memorized the scripture. This week he said, Mom, I'm sure glad God hadn't come yet because he said, till I lay this drinking aside, I'm, I'm not ready to go. I'm talking about a guy that was ready to give up. I was ta- I'm talking about your preacher now. I'm talking about the one that challenges you. Let me say this. I can leave here on cloud 13, and the minute I face an intoxicated member of my family, my spirit goes off the chart because I realize the danger that is brought to our home and the heartache and the sorrow. And when God gifts your family like he's gifted our family this morning. There's been times I just wanted to I just wanted to take the apron off, put me a sweatshirt on, pull that cap down over my eyes, and go to the bar myself. See if I'd missed it. See if Bud Light would do for me what it lights up other people's life to do. But Sherry and the Lord said I wouldn't do that if I were you. And so God has been merciful. His mercy endures forever. I'm talking about gifting this morning. Every one of us are gifted no matter where we come from. And those that have already been here and left, they haven't left the callings of God with that because the Bible says without the calling of God, they're, they're without repentance. Once God puts a call on your life, it's there for, for good. I want to talk to you about another spirit-empowered gift. When you, le- re- when you read the possibility of all the gifts that God has offered in the, in the Bible, you might be stumped by thinking, I really had some good teachers in life, and they weren't Christians. I really had some people that really lived the life, but they didn't love the Lord. They never went to church. They never honored God in their giving. They never taught a Sunday school class. They never really ever, ever endeavored to do anything. They were just good people that had a lot of talents. In this world, you're seeing the exhibition of the natural talents today, which is also God-given, I might say. They're just without the supernatural power to put them down the right road. You see, the Bible says, in him we live, move, and have our being, and apart from him we're nothing. You say, I don't want God in my life, then you're going to quit breathing because that's the only way, he, that's the only way you're going to get God out of your life. And then on, there's a judgment day coming when we'll stand before him. And he's going he's to say, have you been faithful? No, I checked out in, in, in 19, uh, 
2017, 2018, I checked out. He said, have you been faithful? Have you been faithful? I want to hear him say that. I want to hear him say that to the church. I want to hear him say it. That, that, that's why I'm challenging you this morning. I want, him, I want him to, I want you to hear him say it. Listen, it's not good enough for me. He, he gave me an apron to serve you with, and I'm serving your table today, and I want to do it with joy that's unspeakable. I want to do it with a courageous smile, and when you come back next Sunday, I want you to be looking to hear something quick and powerful from the Word of God. Ask others this morning. Ask specific people who you spent time with. Ask people you trust. Ask people you, you, that you love. Ask people that you see coming and going in our community some specific questions. What's your gifting? What's your gifting? How, how are you doing? And then it's an open door to say, look, I, I, this is my gifting. This is this is what I do. This is it's it's good to have Calvin on the mending list. But for the past three weeks, I've got to sit in the seat of driving that bus, and I've got to hear the music that I'd got out of tune with of forty some kids just singing their own song. But it's a gifting. I, I thank God. I'm glad that I'm I'm here to stand set behind this steering wheel. I'm glad that I'm sitting on a CDL with a Class A uh, verification on. I'm glad that I've got a, a health certificate that it's up to date. I'm gifted. I'm even gifted to crawl under that bus and and drain the oil on the filter. How's that? I'm telling you, I'm just so gifted. I I just feel so blessed. I don't know which way to go, upside down or sideways. But you're gifted too. I watched a little boy Wednesday night called Romeo. Romeo took that fellowship hall. If you've never seen Romeo, shame on you. You should have been here Wednesday night. You missed a show. If Romeo never makes it back to church again, you missed it, buddy. If you stayed home watching television, you missed Romeo because he was here, was he not? (laughs) He was here in full force. You know what Romeo was enjoying? Having a good time. I'm telling you, he had no speedometer. (laughs) He couldn't read speed limits if he saw them. He didn't know what sat down and be quiet was all about. He was just being Romeo. And finally, the patrol <laughs> blew his whistle and said, Romeo, sit down. And Romeo was rested. And I watched Romeo. He had been arrested, he was in prison. He wasn't enjoying that. But this is the thought that I had. One day Romeo will grow up to be a man. One day Romeo will not forget who cooked him a hot meal at a church on Wednesday night. One day Romeo will not forget that there was a bus or a van that stopped and gave him a free ride to church. And Romeo will never forget the day he got arrested. (laughs) listen to me you don't have to pay money to go to a movie to have fun come on out on Wednesday night if you haven't heard it all get on the bus on Wednesday night you'll hear language that's just not even in print 
but the gifting is there. Remember, we're here to make a better community out of a great community. We're here to reach out to the hurting, to those that are less fortunate. We're here to be an instrument to cause people to want to serve God. We're here to encourage people. We're here to bless people. We're here to, and, and, and the rib dinner outreach is an awesome outreach. I said, I told this Sunday morning, I'll tell it again. I was recently called to Visa to do a funeral for an individual. And when I sat down with the family, I said, is there any connection with any church? And the daughter says, yes, there is. He was connected to your third Friday night rib dinner. I didn't ask myself, I wonder if the ribs were good. You know what I asked myself? Was my gifting good when I put the ribs in his plate? Could it have left an impression with him on the way home? That he didn't get $5 worth of ribs. He walked into the presence of God. That kitchen rolls with laughter. That a merry heart does good like a medicine. The gifted people that know how to laugh are in that kitchen, and those that don't want to laugh, it's, that's okay. But the gifting and calling are with God and with there without repentance. If you haven't laughed, you need to start learning to laugh. That's part of the gifting of God. Yes. Plus, a merry heart does good like a medicine. God uses ordinary people. That's the reason you're here today. That's the reason I'm here. And your gift wasn't given to you, and mine wasn't given to me for my own benefit. The Bible teaches that our spiritual gifts are given to us, but they're for others. And I ask myself this question many times, what do I have to give today that they don't have? When I walk into a hospital, when I walk into the surgery room, where, where I, when I walk into the funeral home, I ask, I ask myself this question, what do I have today? Sometimes I don't even have the words to say when I walk into the funeral home. And so I just bear hug the people and act like I was so full of something to say that I got choked on my tears. But I really didn't have anything to say here. I just needed here to talk to them. And love is something you cannot contain. Love is something that will expose itself everywhere you go and everything you go to do. In Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5 says that we purposely and specifically are designed not all function the same way with our gifting. We have different gifting because we need one another. Romans 12, 5 says, even takes it so far as to say that there, we are all members of one another, meaning each member belongs to all the others. So your gifting really isn't yours today, and it's not for your good. My gifts really aren't, aren't mine. They're yours. And because God has made a DNA of this church to be supernaturally infused with the blessings of the Lord that make rich and add no sorrow. should be a lesson today for pastor, both in humility and responsibility for us. Hum humility because the gift is not about me but responsibility because God knew somebody else who he could use to help. He didn't choose me because I was qualified. He didn't choose me because he needed me. He chose me because he loved me, and he loves you. Thor couldn't save the world on his own. He needed the rest of the Avengers. 
The truth of the matter is God doesn't need any of us, but he chooses to use us and invites us to be used by him. But he does this by bringing us together, mobilizing us together, teaming us up together, using us together, and he's called that the church. Sure, there's strength in numbers, but numbers brought together by the hand of God and empowered by God, that's more than natural strength. That's a type of power that can change a church for God, change a neighborhood for God, change a community for God, change a nation for God. You've been given super, super power. You're part of his superpower team, but remember, to just have power isn't what makes you a hero. You have to have action. You ever heard this? Action speaks louder than words. The Avengers were a team. They couldn't meet specific needs of earth alone. They needed one another. This is God's plan for you and for me as well. In Romans chapter 4, verse, in Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5, verse 4 says this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. Verse 5, So in Christ we through many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Yes? It's a superpower team, and this community has one. It has many. We have a church on nearly every corner today, and yet think about 17% of people of, of America went to church somewhere this morning. The superpower needs the strength. There's people out there with gifts. There's people out there that need to be needed. There's people out there that needs to be loved. There's people that needs to know, hey, we need you. You'd make a difference if you were part of the family of God. We need your help. We need your assistance. We want you to come and be a part of us. A true story. Some good friends of mine were looking on. They've had almost 20 years now of watching powerhouse kids grow from nothing to what it is today. They were watching. They thought, you know, if this can happen in the country, it can do it in our city. And they took this, the same thing we were doing to their city, and it outgrew their congregation overnight. They said, we've got to have help. And so they started meeting people in their city on the, on the street corner and said, hey, can you help us? We're reaching kids. We're feeding them on Wednesday night. Can you come and help us? And when they brought the help out from the, from the community, the board says, if they don't measure up to our church, they ain't working here. And they closed the ministry down. You know what else they did? They had bought a people mover. One member bought the people mover with his own money. And he said, Orville, would you come and get the key to this? We don't need it anymore. Don't shout me down now. Don't shout me down. This church has grown more through you saying to the community, we need you. Would you come and help us? We're not perfect. We live in an imperfect world. None of us are perfect, and that person that you're going to invite is not perfect, and he's going to have some things that he needs help with along the way. But listen to me. He's, God has plugged you in his life for a reason, and if he's not plugged into the body of Christ, he's going to use you because he's gifted you to touch other people. Yeah. Moving on. Let's switch gears. I watch kids at Christmas time, at, at Christmas in the country, literally run to the front of this building for gifts. We had several gifts left over this year. Many of them are stored in a, in a side room of this building. But I went to a house that made this call on Christmas Eve, or on the evening we had Christmas in the country, 
And I happened to take the phone call, and little did I know where it was coming from. And the lady says, will the buses be running tonight? And I said, no, not without a phone call. But if you call, we'll be at the church to pick up the kids, but the kids have to have an adult with them. We don't have enough help to supervise. We need your help. And the phone clicked. I asked myself when that happened, who was that? And what all was involved in that? And here's how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit never leaves you in the dark. He guides you into all truth. In fact, he's the light of the world. And he'll turn the light on and he'll show you where you missed a boat when you miss it. Not to condemn you, but to help you. I made a visit to a home. Neither the mom or the dad have driver's license. And when I made the home, there was no Christmas tree. But there was five kids. And I left some groceries, but I really didn't go to leave the groceries. I needed the door open to that house so I could see what was on the inside. And when I handed those people the groceries, they'd already got a a grocery card that we were blessed to hand out at the grocery store. I came to the church, and I began to sack up some leftover presents. I didn't sack up one sack. I sacked up several sacks. And I made it back to this house. And when I knocked on the door, the dad opened the door. And I said, I called him by name. He's a precious guy. I said, can you help me? He said, absolutely, I'll help you do anything. I said, just come to the pickup. And he came to the pickup, and we began to load those sacks of toys. There was a sound from heaven. When we opened that door, and those kids saw those sacks of presents, they began to jump over the back of the couch. They began to turn somersaults. They began to yell and scream. I mean, it was, it was heaven on earth. But that sack of groceries opened a door for me that I didn't have a key to, but Jesus did. And there's something about following Jesus if you want to do Jesus' will. He's got a key to my heart, and he knows exactly how to get in. And when he gets in, he knows how to get my attention, and he gives direction. But I'm not the only one gifted. You're gifted, too. I've heard testimonies from our church family, similar and as blessed as this is. But I close this message this morning by saying this. I met Sherry when I was 14. She was 13. She just happened to attend a church that my dad pastored. And we still live on the farm where we, we have lived all of our married life with the exception of a few days. And we're just ordinary people. We don't have to put the dog on. We're just, we're just doggone people. That's all we are. <laughs> you want to really see how good we are, just call us sometime and say, you want to you go out and eat? Yeah. Arf, 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 arf. Bring it on. 
But I, I'm going to close today by telling you about a guy in the Bible that was just an ordinary God or an ordinary person. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses is on the backside of the desert taking care of Jethro, his father-in-law's sheep, because he had killed an Egyptian. You see, Moses was a Hebrew. He'd been hid in the, in the, in the bushes that, that gathered by the river because he was a Hebrew child, and Pharaoh had sought to kill all the Hebrew children, but he didn't want them or, and, and because he felt a threat of the oncoming generation. Moses, or, or, or Pharaoh's daughter, found Moses hidden in the bulrushes and took him home. And wouldn't you know just how God puts things together? This Egyptian daughter of the king asked a Hebrew lady to take care of him because he was a baby and needed care. And that Hebrew lady just happened to be Moses' mama. Does that ring a bell? Moses, he grows up. But the Bible says he chose to suffer the afflictions of the righteous rather than be called King Pharaoh's son. How would you have handled that? I probably would have failed the test. Pharaoh's son, living in a palace. Riding in something like a Rolls Royce on a gold chariot. NFL even knows me. I'm just not up for the draft. I'm Pharaoh's son. Not Moses. He murders one of those Egyptians one day because they were the Egyptians had been held in a slave camp under Pharaoh's leadership. And Moses just couldn't keep his sword. He didn't even have a concealed weapon carrier. But he whooped it on one of those Egyptians, and he killed him. And he buried him thinking he had buried his sins. Somebody saw him, and the next day they reminded him of it, and it put him on the run. He fled to the back side of the desert where for 40 years he spent taking care of his father's she- father-in-law's sheep. One day God says, "It's Moses, you've rested long enough. God just lit a bush in Moses' pathway, and Moses watched the bush. It was on fire, but it wasn't burning. And when Moses stopped to take a second look, God said, Moses, I got your attention. I want to talk to you. Just keep looking at the bush. He said, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Oh, he said, I can't do that. God says, I've gifted you. I want you to go. Here's where the Orville White comes out of Moses. Moses says, God, just because you said you'd be with me, that'd be a sign that that the king would let your people go is not very convincing to me. And you tell me that I'll worship where I'm at today on this mountain after you've let your people go. I know that takes faith, but I don't have that kind of faith. In chapter 4 of Exodus Moses begins his list of excuses, and God simply says this, and I want you to listen to me real close because I'm closing. God says, Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses says, a rod. He said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, a snake. That would have been enough for me. That's living proof. I'm out here, buddy. No, no. God says, Moses, pick it up by the tail. Right there's where I've been calling on you, Leroy. 
God says, Moses, pick it up by the tail. And when Moses picked it up by the tail, it became a rod. I'm talking about a guy that had, married, uh, had, had, had murdered an Egyptian. I'm talking about a guy that spent 40 years just taking care of sheep, hiding from the law. He was on the run. And God speaks to him through a burning bush, and he gets his attention. He said, I want you to go tell the king to let my people go. And Moses starts his list. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. And, and then the Lord says, Moses, I want to do something else. Put your hand in your cloak. And he did, and he pulled it out, he, and it was leprous. It was white, leprosy. And he said, Moses, now put it back where I had you to put it the first time and look at it again, and it became natural. You'd have thought two excuses would have been enough, but not with Moses. Moses wasn't in for the deal. He was in for hiding. So Moses keeps on with his, his excuses. And God says, Moses, go to the Nile River and take you a bucket and dip some water out of the Nile River, and I want you to pour it on the ground. I want you to have it. You're going to have an audience. I'm going to set this up for you. You won't have to say, come ye, come all. Come see the great king of all. He said, when you pick that, take that water out of the Nile River and you pour it out on dry ground, it's going to be blood. And the people are going to know that I'm, I'm directing your life. Moses obeyed. He goes to the Nile River. He picks up a bucket. He, he, he puts, gets it full of water, and he goes up on the bank. And he has, there's an audience of people. Just stop to see what this crazy man's about to do. And he pours out the water that they'd seen him dip out of the Nile River. It's blood. You'd have thought three excuses was good enough. Not Moses. Not Moses. God had taken what was, what he was, what was in his hand, and then he took his hand. After he turned that rod into a snake, turned the snake back into a rod, then he used a hand with leprosy where the skin falls off of that hand. He put it back where leprosy had overtaken him, and he gave him his good hand back, and now he's poured water in uh, out on the ground. It's turned to blood. You'd think that would be enough. You know what Moses said? I've got a speech defect. <laughs> I stutter. You're going to have to send somebody along because I can't speak. God said, well, I can help you. And then this is the part that Moses angered God. After all that God had did for Moses, he said, go get somebody else. You know what makes the church the weakest today? And I'm speaking this very liberally today because that crew's not here yet. They said, go get somebody else. I'm saying to you, Leroy and Eileen, you go get them. They're there. God has set the table for such an hour as this. Oh, I, I wish I had another 30 minutes. You know, we're living, in, we're living in peerless times today. We're living in a world of wickedness today. But listen to me. It's not the worst days of our life. It's the best days for the church. We're getting ready to hear the trumpet sound. We're, going to, we're getting ready to leave this world. We're going to a place where there's no more sickness and no more heartache. No more, all the former things are going to be wiped away, but until that time comes, we're part of the church. We're trying to get the load bigger than it already is. We're needing to get all the people we can into heaven, not into Elm Grove. We're trying to get them into heaven. True story. Years ago, two... Uh, Two, uh, two salesmen were shipped to the Caribbean on an island where they had never worn shoes before. 
and both of them were shoe salesmen. They got to this island, and they began to walk that island, and nobody had shoes on. I don't know where the phone came from, but they had phone service. One salesman calls in. He says, send the next boat. These people don't even know what a pair of shoes looks like. The other salesman, he gets on his phone. He calls his manager. He says, load up two ships, and if you can get two more, get them loaded and send them to this island. This is the best opportunity I've ever seen in my life. Don't shout me down now. Please don't shout me down. The opportunity to sell shoes is in this community. Lord, I just want to thank you today for the church. Lord, these are not my words. These are challenging words that you have given so that I could wait on the table today and you knew who would be here. And you've just equipped us today in a special way. And I love these people. These people are the people I'm going to heaven with. But, Lord, there's, a, there's two boatloads and two boatloads more people in this community that don't go to church anywhere. They're not a part. They're not a part of the family. Lord, there's n- not good people and bad people. There's two peop- groups of people, though. There's the group that's been forgiven, and there's that group that's going to be forgiven. And, Lord, I just pray that you would open our blinded eyes because mine gets blinded so many times with just busy, busyness, busyness just agendas that I get so blinded sometimes that I overlook opportunities. But I sense you're speaking in this building this morning. And these are some of the awesome, most awesome people that I've ever met. It's because of their generosity that we have a youth center today that's reaching almost 100 youth. It's because of this church family this morning that we have four four buses sitting in a parking lot across from the rock in five nice vans. It's your divine order and you've given us the keys because this church doesn't owe any money and neither will it ever owe any money because the foundation for this church was formed by people that walk by faith. They said if God is as big as he is let this church never be caught going to the bank and borrowing money. Lord, you've done it all. You set the table before us. Oh, you said you'd prepare it in the presence of our enemies. You said you'd anoint our head with oil. You'd run our cup over. And goodness and mercy would chase us down the road of life forever so that we could be a part of your family this morning called the church. Lord, as we brought to close what we have to say, I want to give a moment to this body that's gathered here today. And I want to ask this body this morning, what's he saying to you? I've shared with you what he's laid upon my heart to share because I love the church. I love Jesus. You talk about an ordinary guy. I'd have to run for my life if it wasn't for Jesus. But he's called all of us and he's equipped all of us. And the greatest tool that the enemy wants to, for all of us, just, just, just to get comfortable. There, there's no 
Listen, time is short. Time, the clock is against us. Time's running out. I want to ask a simple question. It's as simple as I can make it. But by an uplifted hand this morning, you'd say, Pastor, God is speaking to my heart. There's areas that I know he's speaking to me about, and he's giving me the keys. I haven't had the courage or the strength or the power to invade that area or be, take my gifts to that area of our community. But I'm glad you challenged me this morning, Pastor. And I need your help, Pastor, in praying. And I'm going to raise my hand, and by this I'm going to say, God's speaking to me. Pastor, I want to be obedient to the voice of God. Would you just raise your hand up right now? You'd say by that hand lift, yes, that's me. Yes, that's me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. It's not in it's not in vain this morning. I've seen three hands lifted. I thank God. If one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. And God knows exactly how to do it. I want to pray over these that have raised their hands and, and Jared will be coming to close the service this morning. But I want to pray over those this morning, not only those that raised their hand, but maybe you're here and you knew that you should have. You just didn't have the courage to do it. I've sat in that pew many times knowing that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. I just didn't have the courage to raise my hand. I'm going to pray for you too. Lord, you're such an awesome God. I thank you that you just take ordinary people and you cause the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to flood, fill, flood, and overflow our lives. Lord, I thank you for the generosity that you've shown to our church. I thank you for the leadership. I thank you for the elders of this church. I thank you that you've sent Jared and Jenny along, Lord, and they're touching a circle of young people that's never been touched before. And, Lord, I, there's, a, there's another generation coming on that they're hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way they've never heard it before. Lord, our hearts are heavy every time we realize the, the massacre that's gone on in the United States in one of our schools in Florida this week. Lord, somehow, somehow, when you take prayer and Bible reading out of a school or out of any atmosphere, something fills that void. Lord, I pray for those that are brokenhearted this morning. Lord, I pray may a tragedy never occur in our community because we've got praying people. Florida had praying people, but Lord, I just believe that you're giving us wisdom and knowledge, Lord, to penetrate a community. And maybe that one that somebody touches could be the one that could have brought death and destruction will turn their life to Jesus and make things right. I pray this morning, Lord, in these hours that you would just allow your grace to flood, fill, and overflow our lives as we continue to pursue the journey set before us. And Lord, may we keep focused today on one who's the author and the finisher of our faith. We give the praise to all in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's family said, amen. Yes.